Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Murder Board Podcast. I am your host, Walter Williams III, and tonight I am joined with the OG, Shelton. Hello. Yes, it's just me and him tonight, and we are discussing a few things. I want to get a few things off my chest here. Number one, I want to talk a little bit about Wolfpack. Number two, we got some trailers that dropped recently. Number three, we're going to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. So, if you haven't seen this movie, this is your spoiler warning. If you have, I hope you enjoy our little show here. Diving right into our main topics here. Shelton. Oh, my God. Yes. Number one, how have you been, dude? I know we just did an episode a while ago, but. <laughs> yeah, like, it was, what, like, two episodes ago? Pretty much. We're still in the beginning <laughs> I'm, of the season. I'm good. All right. Sounds great. Sounds great. <laughs> like I said, I want to talk about some main topics here. Number one. This is kind of a, we kind of just got done with the generalness of Friday the 13th, and we're kind of moving, not away from it, but we'll get back to that, we'll get back to that franchise soon enough at some point in time, but I do want to start easing us into the the hype of Scream 6, and what better way to do that than to revisit some popular slasher movie sequels? Yeah, we've done a lot of slashers on here, a lot of the main ones, and what better way than to just go right into the sequels as we get excited for Scream 6. We started this season doing Teen Wolf, Shelton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, did you end up watching Wolfpack at all? I didn't. I wanted you to let me know if it was good or not. All right. Well, now's that time because I believe we only have two episodes <laughs> left. <laughs> as of this recording, we are, what, seven episodes in? I think there's two episodes oh, of the season. Gonna... Huh? You know I was going to wait until it was over anyway. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to tell you what my thoughts on it so far. But um, I when it when I watched the first two episodes, when they premiered it, I was like, it's it's all right. It's all right. But I I'm, oh yeah, you, you told me. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. You, you did tell me you saw like the first episode, the first two. And you're like, eh, I don't know. Let me see. Well, yeah. And as of as of the episode's gone, gone on, I've honestly just. I'm not in love with it, but I really like it. Like, it's really, it's a unique, again, it's just a very unique way of doing, like, a werewolf thing. And It's not connected at all to Teen Wolf. It is cool. not connected at all to Teen Wolf, uh, aside from, okay. like, um, aside from just, like, sharing werewolf mythology, like, other than that. But it is its own thing. It has got its own emphasis. Like, a, you know, Teen Wolf was very much about friendship and willpower and independence and and friendship Wolfpack is much more about like mental health and and, and uh, emotional state and anxiety and um that it's very much more personal I think uh in that regard mm-hmm. is it is basically the best way to describe it and it's just how I heard someone describe it and now I can't let go of it but it is basically like euphoria with werewolves <laughs> light like euphoria light with werewolves. no way it is it, in the in the style of the show like it's very much of that tone of of no euphoria way. it's got that tone of euphoria where it's very not serious completely but it's got that like i don't really know how to describe it but it feels very euphoria ish like the camera movement is kind of euphoria light the cinematography of it yeah the cinematography although it's very okay. dark for me but it has got that same kind of appeal to it like there's there's you know what do you mean dark 
like Light, lighting and stuff yeah I'd like the light and maybe because i watch during like the day <laughs> most of the time <laughs> so i should probably try watching it at night but um other than that it it's it, some of this because a lot there's a lot of like stuff happening at night because werewolves but it's yeah it's got that same kind of euphoria a euphoria type tone to it they are cursing left and right in this show too by the way like they kinda, Ooh, I love that. they threw me off with a lot of the f-bombs i'm like god these are teenagers <laughs> Well, what are we doing with this? Shut, shut, shut your mouth. <laughs> but anywho, <Stop. laughs> I will say as episodes have gone on, I have fallen in love. I have, I do love the premise of the show. And again, I'm not going to spoil, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But um, basically, so the show sets up that it's a wildfire at first. And, um, you know the wildfire draws out animals and they're kind of running from the fire and they're like the animals go crazy and just start like killing kids and shit like they're just like stampeding because oh. they're running from shit and then you realize no they're actually running they're running from the fire but they're also running from the giant werewolf that's been hiding in the woods and this world that's just in the fire yeah like this werewolf is fireproof by the way so this thing is oh, yeah, scary so fire. okay that's a good throw off yeah and so like the werewolf ends up biting two teenagers and of course um during this why do, whole okay give me one second i'm sorry but why do werewolves and vampires and shit always bite teenagers I like do... is that kind of weird I used to think it was weird, but then Teen Wolf does explain it. <laughs> in Teen Why? Remember in Teen Wolf season two, Derek. No. Oh, okay. Well, in Teen Wolf <laughs> season two, um, I believe it's, it, I believe it's either Styles or Scott that asks Derek and or Peter. It's one of those four. They ask the question, you know, why teenagers? Why? And then Derek. Yeah, because it's fucking weird. <laughs> but they give the answer that teenagers because teenagers are already changing, going through puberty. They would have more time oh. surviving the bite. Because the bite physically changes you, and so right. if you're they, already, yeah, if you're already in puberty, yeah, it'll be it'll be a lot harder for someone younger or someone older because they've already grown. While Scott and them, they they were they were literally in puberty while it was happening. Yeah, so it was like perfect. Grow this way. Yeah, it's the best way for them to not have like a chemical imbalance, essentially. Because again, yeah, but again, the rules for Wolfpack are I mean, way different. Really- <laughs> the werewolf bite was like you know if you you may or may not survive it regardless of who you are so it's like yeah okay yeah. makes sense so you, want, cool. you want the perfect you know you don't want to like operate on a dead or on a dying like guinea pig or something basically are you worthy <laughs> <laughs> but on um, wolf pack the rules are different the rules are different okay. so like i said the two teen- the two teenagers get bitten and they you know, they don't go through the whole, like, Spider-Man puberty thing where it's like, oh, I'm changing. They kind of just, like, they're, they treat it like injuries, but it starts to affect their their emotional state, like, their moods and shit. One of the characters, the main character, has severe, like, clinical anxiety and depression. And so it starts affecting him that way. And, again, I'm not going to try and spoil too much, but I do like the premise. And so they end up linking up with these two other teenagers who were born werewolves. And that's where the entire premise of the show goes, uh, which, uh, uh, which is the book that it's based on where you have this firefighter who finds where, who finds like baby wolves in the middle, in the middle of the wildfire, takes them home. When he like turns his back, they turn into kids. They turn into babies. And so that's the premise of these other two teenagers. They were born werewolves. They were found and adopted. But they, the thing is that they keep mentioning is that they never turned after he, they initially turned into humans. And so the guy was like, well, 
I just treat them like little kids, but I kept <laughs> this guy keeps a shotgun with silver bullets just in case. <laughs> I do love that. So um basically they realized um the the girl of the born wolves, the the main twin, she's like, mm-hmm. I've always wanted a pack. That's her ma- major motivation for it. And so when they end up leaking with these other when they, when they all four link together, they realize that they are a wolf pack. And so this is where the, the premise gets really cool for me though. So as werewolves, they don't have the werewolf's powers that you would traditionally think though. Like they treat it much more mystically. And so each person has a specific ability. And that ability is like, uh, so one person can hear really well. One person has super strength. One person has super like uh, eyes, you know, like vision. And the other person has like the, uh, the, the, I forgot what else it was called, but they all have one individual thing. And so when they're together, they kind of link up or sync together and then they all can share that specific thing and um, among other things. And that's what I thought was really cool about it. And I, I really liked the way they did that. So like there's one episode where they all get arrested. <laughs> and so one, one of them is getting what? interrogated and you know, they're trying to like think of a lie and so one of the characters who's not in the interrogation room says something. And so he's able, the the guy in the interrogation room is able to hear it. But then they realize they can all hear it as they're speaking or whispering because of the super hearing that they're sharing. And it's like, oh, shit. And yeah, it's just really cool. I really love the fact that like they, they turn this whole wolf pack thing into kind of like a hive mind ability instead of them all being like ravenous werewolves. So I thought that was really cool aspect of it all. And then there's just like this big so it's mystery. Got its own interesting lore. Yeah, like they're really building off some really interesting like rules for this show, and I, I'm really enjoying that aspect of it. Um, like I said, I'm not going to go into it too much or spoil it. I just wanted to give my thoughts on it. I'm really liking it. The style of it to me is it feels very like you know you still have your it's it's Jeff Davis who is a gay man who is a writer, so it's still got the you know you still got people running around with rock hard abs that are supposed to be like 15 and. All the girls are in nothing but bikinis. It, but it, it's sexy all the time. Yes, but it's still cool. The, the the kills are pretty gruesome too. Like people are getting ripped apart <laughs> in this show oh. uh, by this wolf that's running around, and it's the wolves look really good. Like the way better than Peter did in season one of Teen Wolf. Oh but God! Like, it, like it's way it better than awful. that, but it's still kind of the same design where it's like a giant wolf. Like it's like a giant like Arnold Schwarzenegger wolf running around, and that's that's kind of like the premise, and I I really enjoy it. So um, it's working for me so far. Like I think, like I said, I think there's two episodes left out of this recording or of this as of this recording, but so far mm-hmm. all the acting is also pretty good. Everyone has really good chemistry with each other, which is needed because there's a lot of like making out and almost sex happening between them. Like i guess that's the only thing i would kind of back away from like i don't want to say it's incestuous because no one's blood related except for the two twins and they don't have any like feelings to each other they don't do anything with each other because one of them is gay the 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 male twin is gay so he has that whole thing going on but like there's this weird connection between the two that were bitten and so they're always like having these like dreams or these visions of them just kind of like going at each other and i'm like what is being set up here? And it feels weird, but like, I'm kind of into it, but like, it's still like, if they're a pack, does that make them, I guess if you're in a pack, you don't, I don't know. Cause I was thinking like, you know, Scott and them were a pack and they were hopping around each other left and right throughout those seasons. So I guess it works, but I don't know. I guess because of the whole like hive mind thing, it kind of makes it weird for me, but 
that I'll digest on or I'll digress on that. I Wolfpack okay. is a plus for me so far. I'm really enjoying it. Okay, let me know how that finale is. Because if it's like no, this looks like it's going toward the horrible like route, or hey, this is actually really fucking cool, and it looks like season two is going to be even better. Let me know. Yeah, definitely. I will. Last thing I'll say though, um, Sarah Michelle Geller is like she's oh. she every episode she gets oh, better yeah, and better. She is scary. I love Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> she plays like this big like cop character. Like she's she's working oh. and she is scary though. Like she's so calm and collected, but it's that calm and collected. It's like oh, if I make the wrong move, this woman will shoot me. <laughs> She's Bad great. Ass. She is she is the best part of the show. Like every every episode she gets more and more to do and there's more and more revealed about her, but she's still like mysteriously like it it's really good. Like her whole character is perfect. Okay. So, moving from something that you enjoy to something that you hate <laughs> because this week we got the final trailer or the we got the trailer for the final season of Riverdale. <laughs> oh my god. It's uh, not over yet. <laughs> It hasn't even begun. Over. No, they just you released were, the trailer. But um, you were just complaining a long time ago about how it was ending, and you were gonna be so upset. I am, but like the trailer it's looks really good. It's not even ending. Yeah, no, I think it like, premieres like March twenty something, like at the end of March. <laughs> you've been whining so much about it. I know. I don't want it to end. <laughs> Boy, if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> but dude. <laughs> but anyway, they released the final. They re- I want to keep saying final trailer. They released the trailer, the first trailer for the final season, and it looks really good. It looks very. They are back in the 1950s. Um, we're picking up right after the end of the the last season, where Jughead is the only one that remembers their past. Like he's the only one that remembers what happened. Everyone else is living their like 1950s Archie classic Archie comics oh, lives. God. They're and I think it's really cool though. They're 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 doing the at least what to, it seems like they're doing the actual like Archie comics like day to day all shucks Archie like you know it, everyone looks like it it looks like the Archie's comics basically. But the, the twist of being that Jughead remembers all the crazy shit they've been through, <laughs> and so he's trying to figure out what happened. He concludes. Maybe. Yeah, the trailer. You know, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Maybe Jughead's just insane. It could be that way. And really, he is just a comic book character. And they are just in Archie's comics, and Jughead's just fucking crazy. It could be. <laughs> that would be a crazy twist, wouldn't it? I would love that twist so much. And I that's mean, a really, that's a decent twist. Yeah. But, um,. It is Riverdale, so the that is kind of how they set up the trailer to be. Like we're in the 1950s, Jughead is very like Back to the Future, like you know, oh I'm in a place I'm not supposed to be in, but everyone else around me doesn't believe me type of thing going on. But Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the stuff is different though. We are in the 50s, but so here's just some flashes that we got in the trailer that I think will shock you to your core. Number one. So last season we ended Archie and Betty were engaged and Betty was rumored to be maybe pregnant. Not happening. They are teenagers what? again. They're in back in high school, but again it's 1950 something and <laughs> So Cheryl and the biggest thing for me is that Cheryl and Archie are engaged. Like they're the ones engaged now and it's kind of like What? Exactly. Like they're the ones you engaged. See that? Oh, that show be doing too much. But it's, it's everywhere all the time at once. Exactly, because like nothing, nothing. It's it's like 
things from prior seasons are only slightly relevant. Oh, man, I'm, I'm loving it. Because guess what? It's like an anthology. Exactly. Like, it's an anthology it's of genre, and I love it. <laughs> Which it would be... It, it's, it's an anthology. I'd be fine if it was a straight-up anthology, but it's an anthology where things that happen matter, but only to a small degree. Yeah, I guess it just depends on the season. Because, like, in the trailer, oh, Betty in the trailer, Betty and Kevin are our couple. Like, it's, they're, they're the ones... That I mean, doesn't make sense. Kevin's gay. Well, they, they do show shots of Kevin and a new character they're introducing. You know, Kevin is working through his sexuality. But as the... When we start the season off, him and Betty are together. Archie and Cheryl are Kevin together. cruising in the park for dick. <laughs> well, he hasn't gotten there yet. No. It hasn't been invented yet. It's the 1950s. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh my god, and then we get it with uh, Jughead, Jughead and Veronica, Jughead and Veronica, Veronica is ret- is a Hollywood star coming to town to live out her high school days, or I guess like a child star, I think. I feel like that would be Veronica. Yeah, but so her, her and Jughead share a couple kisses in the trailer, so there's something there. Um, we still Ooh. have, we still have my favorite character, Tapitha Tate. She is uh, Pop Tate's Tap granddaughter. Tate. Yeah, she's. Oh, I I never met her. Who is she? <laughs> Haven't met her. Yeah, I'm saying so. Tabitha Tate was introduced in season five after the time jump when they all became adults after they graduated high school and everything. She is Pop Tate's granddaughter, who was the owner of Pops that she took over as the owner of Pops, and her and Jughead kind of became the new uh, relationship. Really? Yeah. Yeah, um, I love her. I like her a lot. She's like my favorite new character. She's she's great. She's smart. She's um she kind of has like this rocky friendship with Betty because of the whole Jughead thing, but everyone likes her. She um she was very important last season because last season was bonkers as shit. But she's got like a, a she's got a doppelganger who was a who is Jughead's uh guardian angel, essentially. And so in last season, she also had the ability to time travel, which did not go well for her. But um, we won't talk about that. She just she's been through a lot. She's been through a lot. Of <laughs> but um, I love that she's back in this and she's kind of playing that role of the new black girl in school, which I'm guess they're kind of touching on 1950s uh, segregation. So I think that'll be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, everyone's back. Oh, the biggest thing, though, though. So, you know, Reggie is still here. <laughs> Reggie has been through a lot as well. You know, his abusive dad being beaten and, you know, his him like losing all of his assets to a scheme that Veronica pulled on him and Veronica pulling them back and forth. So in this season, it looks like Reggie has got full on like Arnie Cunningham vibe from like Christine. Like he is the nerd. He is the nerd of the like he's got like the glasses, the the you know the suspenders and the you know he looks like a nerd and i'm like oh this is different for reggie because reggie's always been like the cool himbo like he's been yeah, archie's he's, rival he's your yeah. cool, go- yeah, cool but guy nope nope 1950s reggie looks he looks i feel really bad for him i'm like oh i hope nothing bad happens to him because <laughs> he looks like he's about to break in the trailer like he looks really sad and i'm like oh no he's been through so much his dad literally like his dad before dying like pretty much like uh tricked him and like he lost everything veronica did the same shit to him as well because 
Reggie is supposed to be kind of dumb, and but he tried to like make his own business, and everything fell apart at the end of last season. So I'm like, oh, oh, poor Reggie. <laughs> he, nothing is getting better for Reggie at all. But um, yeah, I I uh, look, I I think the trailer looks good. I think this season is gonna be good. It has the potential to be the best season, just because they've kind of dialed everything back. There is still a central mystery. We don't know who it is yet. As far as I know. I think there may be another killer or at least a killer from the future is in the past with them. But other than that, I'm just excited because it's Riverdale, but I'm very sad because I don't want Riverdale to end, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, It has the potential to kind of wrap around like mystery incorporated or Gotham did with their season finales where they would wrap around to the status quo again. So that's what I think is going to be. But yeah. All right. So last main topic, because we've spent a lot of time, um, I do want to touch on this really quickly, which is just, uh, have you ever heard of the movie Fatal Attraction, Shelton? I've heard of Fatal Attraction, but I've never actually watched it. Bet. So <laughs> this is another popular 90s uh, thriller movie that is being adapted into a TV show. <laughs> I think it's Paramount Plus that's doing it, but um, it's got Joshua Jackson in it. If you don't remember Joshua Jackson, famous for Dawson's Creek, but um, I, you would know him from, he had the quick line. In, uh, in, huh? Oh, Sorry, I said that's it. Anything besides Dawson's Creek. Oh yeah, no, he was he had a brief uh moment in season uh, in Scream 2. He was the the film guy and he was one of the film characters in class with them. I'm sorry, I'm not going to remember him. No. <laughs> not not from Scream 2. It's been, yeah. Oh, excuse me. It's but yeah, been way you, too long. I I don't know who he is. I get it. But yeah, if you know Fatal Attraction or I mean if you if you know Joshua Jackson, you would know him from Dawson as the best friend from Dawson's Creek. He was basically proto hey. Proto Styles before Proto Styles essentially, but which is Adam really? Murray. But um, yeah, so he's he's kind of the the star of this new TV show, which they are taking a Fatal Attraction and turning it into a, a series. I'm interested in it because I do like that first movie, though I've only seen it once. But I just wanted to like introduce this because I've always wanted to bring this genre to the podcast, but have not had the chance yet because one, there's so much we haven't touched on, which is why season five is here. We're going to touch on a lot of stuff we haven't gotten to just yet. But afterwards, if the podcast keeps going, I do want to introduce the the genre of sex thriller of like 90s, late 80s, early 90s sex thrillers. Yes. What? Yes. Well, I, that's what I oh, call them. Is that going to be like Blue Velvet type shit? Not as weird as Blue Velvet, but kind okay. of in the same vein. Like we're talking like, you know, business. Oh. <laughs> well, not as weird, but like, you know, the, the basic structure for a sex thriller or I think the appropriate term is erotic thriller, where basically the, the basic what? structure is that you got a businessman or a successful man who falls in for this femme fatale. And that femme, he kind of rejects that femme fatale after a few times and tries to go back to normal. But that femme fatale or a force of some kind bites him in the ass and takes over his life and eventually in the third act tries to kill him or his family or the reverse happens you know kind of like if you ever seen or if you remember like obsessed with beyonce and idris elba that that same kind of vein yeah you know they've kind of but this is very hard to explain it i would have to i would have to dedicate a whole podcast to explaining it but that's the general consensus of it i do like these movies a lot you know, again, Fatal Attraction. I saw Basic Instinct for the first time last year, which is a really good one. But basically, like, um, what's another one? I can't think. But basically, it's like it's a kind of a, another subsection of like uh, noir movies, essentially, where it's the entire thing, the entire plot is centered around 
the main who would be the detective or the victim or um dang it i'm, I'm losing words but uh, people out there listening you would know what that is uh, there's a lot of people older than me that can do it but i've always liked this subgenre. you know movies like uh hand that rocks the cradle is kind of also an erotic thriller or a single white female or um the one with jennifer tilly and uh gina gershon bound like these just like 90s thriller movies that are like uh, or you know what? Did were you weren't on Wild Things with us? Were you, Shelton? Wild Things. Wild Things. That's the one with Nev Campbell and uh, Denise Richards. Oh no! No, 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 no. no. Yeah, that no. was that was me, Roderick Cesaria, and Nolan, I think. But yeah, Wild Things is a is a definite like example of like erotic thrillers where like they're really twisty mysteries, but they have this like thick layer of like sex on it, and I love oh, these type like, of movies. Um, like Gone Girl. Yes, like Gone Girl, but add more okay, sex. Okay, never mind. I might like that. Maybe not. Yeah, like it's how much more sex? You have to add like a lot. Like the entire first act is usually oh my just God. the entire first act is usually like them fucking, and then it's like okay, I gotta get back to my family. We gotta stop what we're doing, and the the whoever depends on which side you're on. They're like, actually, no. I think I want to. I think I want your life now, and just start murdering everyone. Like it's it's I love that type of shit and we don't sadly we don't get a lot of them these days one because they're incredibly sexist <laughs> because usually the it kind of villainizes the woman instead of the adulterer which is usually the male but oh. they're just they're really fun movies to watch uh I really de- I definitely recommend Basic Instinct because no one wins in that movie um everyone everyone dies <laughs> not a spoiler but everyone dies uh if you've seen it you know what I mean but like be it you know physically or emotionally but uh it's it i just i want to bring that attention to it because like i if there's anything that i have on my mind that's next for this podcast it would be taking a look into like erotic thrillers so i just want to get that off my chest there man oh man see if if it's like gone girl i could love it but i don't know if i could love something else (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like it, it's very similar to Gone Girl. Gone Girl is a neo noir, but we're talking like. Oh, I love noir. Yeah, I like I love Gone Girl too. But like erotic thrillers, I'm telling you, like if you took like you know, so you know how you take a normal noir movie, right? It's the detective. He gets a case brought to him, usually by a femme fatale, which is the girl, and then that leads him into the case, right? Basically, you take that that first chunk, which is like the femme fatale and the detective plus the case before that he was working on beforehand, which is usually a guy trying to get out of something. That's your setup for a a erotic thriller. And again, you just add that thick layer of like sex on it. You know, there's like sex lives and videotape. Another one that comes to mind for me from like the early nineties, but it's, they're really good movies. Like, but you have to be comfortable with, you know, sex on screen which is not even that graphic sometimes it's a little rapey anything with michael douglas is a little rapey but yeah <laughs> with that being said let's go ahead and take our first break and then we'll i have some i have some trivia for you shelton which i don't know how well you're gonna uh, do with this uh, because i planned it for roderick but it's rather gonna be an f or an a <laughs> we'll we'll see how well you do it's only three questions and after that we'll talk about nightmare on elm street to freddy's revenge
special work to do here, you and me. You've got the body. I've got the brain. All right, we're back. Here are some quick trivia stuff. Midnight Radio trivia, I like to call it, for Shelton. This is very much um, Elm Street-focused, so I hope you can get these, Shelton. Ooh, this is very made for Roderick. Oh, no. Yeah, I was really hoping Roderick would be. <laughs> R.I.P. Roderick. Oh, man. Hope work is all right. All right. So, again, there's three questions all centered around, centered around the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise so let's let's see how you do let's they are multiple choice so except okay, for the last good. question except for the last question god good all right so like I'm test in school at least i can fucking guess <laughs> right okay <laughs> i hope you've seen these movies by the way <laughs> oh okay so question number one what is the name of freddy krueger's mother ah <laughs> uh... Here's the okay. here's the uh the options. So yeah, number one or number at uh, letter um, number A. Letter A. Damn it. A Maureen. B Pamela. C Amanda. D Norma. You should get this one just from process of elimination. Norma. Is that your final answer? Yes. That is the wrong answer, dude. Fuck! <laughs> I was about to say it, it is Amanda. Amanda Kruger is the name of Freddy Kruger's mother. Oh. I was I was gonna say like process of process of elimination because I know you you should know most of these. Maureen is from Scream. She is Sydney's yeah. mom. Pamela, we just did Friday Thirteenth. That's Jason's. And Norma is Norman Bates's mom from Psycho. Oh shit! I forgot about Bates. <laughs> yeah, which we are actually. I know Zari is very excited, but we're doing Psycho two in a couple of weeks. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's like four. Oh, no one talks oh about God. them. But we're gonna we're gonna visit one of them. <laughs> yeah, everyone only talks about Psycho One. Yeah, the only one I liked is Psycho One. But I mean, I like Psycho Three for how outrageous it is. But we're not we're not there yet. Uh, not outrageous. It is. It is. It's just, it is insane. All That's right. not great. So it depends on how you feel about it. <laughs> you gotta, really weird usually on opposite ends of the spectrum so oh, yeah. why would it be different now? yeah i love psycho 3 though psycho 3 is bat shit like there for just an example there's a body that was hidden inside of an ice maker and everyone was still getting ice from it oh okay that's actually fucking that's gnarly and that's kind of interesting yeah like it, like, it, it works a little bit yeah you know, it, corpse in the ice people aren't gonna nose for a minute that's on ice definitely and then the movie starts off with a nun falling from a tower so we're talking oh, well. <laughs> we're talking blue velvet weird here oh god okay so question two again <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so sorry shelton but you can take a guess at this i think you can probably use process of, process of elimination with this one as well so question number two when do we see freddy krueger being burned by the mob of parents on screen for the first time. Uh, is it A, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2010, B, Freddy's Nightmares from 1988, C, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare from 1991, or D, Freddy vs. Jason? 
I'm gonna say Freddy's dead. No, no, wait, wait, wait. Freddy's nightmares. Sorry, Freddy's nightmares. I'm gonna say that one. Right. I feel like they they would go more into like Freddy and how he feels psychologically, and that would connect to his past being burnt alive. All right, and I'll just before I give the answer, have you ever seen Freddy's Dead or I mean Freddy's? Nightmares? I've never seen any of them except the first two that I've watched and then been on podcasts for. I'm pretty sure you saw the 2010 remake, right? I know I've watched it at the apartment with you guys. Already. I know I don't remember it. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> but you are correct. It is, again, process of elimination. It is Freddy's Nightmare. So the thing about this is that Freddy's Nightmare was a TV show that premiered after part three in 1988. Mm-hmm. And the first episode does follow Freddy Krueger as he's being burned, as, or it follows his trial, and then he gets burned alive. And then that feeds into the first movie. And then the rest of the show is just kind of this anthology that's kind of like bookended with Freddy Krueger. But it's kind of this horror anthology. I think it's only two seasons. But I remember it coming on TV very early in the mornings. But uh, around the time the 2010 remake was coming out. But um, yeah. So yeah, you got it. You got it. Look at you. <laughs> you got one. <laughs> All right. So third and final question. And then we're going to head into the movie. It's true or false. Do your best. Um, okay, so. Oh, God, I'll try. Yeah, it's, it's specific to this second movie, though. So the high school okay. the high school that they filmed Elm Street 2 is the same location they shot two other 80s classics, one of which is The Karate Kid, true or false? That's got to be false. Is that your final answer? Not- oh, God, I don't know. <laughs> the Karate Kid, though? Like, would it really be in the same school? Uh, mm, I'm mm, going to say... mm, 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 Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you dare fuck it. It it says, like, they can shoot movies anywhere, so it doesn't necessarily matter where the movie setting is. But at the same time, like, that's so... It's such on on the opposite end of the, like, spectrum. Yeah. I'm going to say false. Final answer. Go. All right. Unfortunately, that is true. The Karate Kid did share the same filming location. Are you kidding me? Yeah. it's the So, if you know the scene in this movie, Elm Street 2, where Jesse and Grady are wrestling on the field? Yeah. That's the same field that Danny LaRusso gets tripped on in that first movie. Oh, my God. And the lockers, where they're at the lockers, you know how the lockers are outside? Same Same. Same deal. Even the same. Which, by the... Oh, never mind. We're not talking about the movie yet. I'm sorry. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, we're about to head into <laughs> it, but like, yeah, it's the same same location. They used the same. Oh, okay. In real life, the high school is actually a middle school, but they used it as a high school oh. for filming. But um, yeah, same look. Even the fence that there, you can see the fence in a distance where Danny gets beat up and Mr. Miyagi kind of yeah. helps him out on the Halloween. But yeah, same oh. same location. Damn. Well, ain't that something? Yep. The other is again. This is. <laughs> But I said there were two 80s classics that were also filmed at that high school, one of which was The Karate Kid. The second, just as a, as a bonus little trivia thing, the second was uh, Summer School from 1987, a, a, a I don't know teen comedy. Oh, really? Yeah, one of the few movies oh. I have not seen, but that's a little little tidbit there. Three different genres all at the same school. Definitely, definitely. All right, Um, with that being said, you, you got one. You got one. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I did. I, I got an- well, you got lucky. <laughs> I got a D. Yeah, 
I really was hoping that you would get that first one though. <laughs> like that oh, one I, felt I easy. Should've. I didn't. I didn't take long enough to think about Bates Motel because name rang a bell, and I should have known that anything that rang a bell was going to be wrong. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. All right, um, so we're going to take our last break here, and then we're going to head into the movie A Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Someone is coming back to Elm Street. He is not friendly. He is not patient. And he is not a welcome visitor. No! 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 But he has something terribly special for the new kid on the block. It started to happen again. Dad! I'm in trouble. You've had some scary dreams, okay? Help! Daddy can't help you now. There's something inside him. Freddy Krueger is back on Elm Street. Get out of here, Lisa! fight him! Watch out for him. He'll be in your neighborhood soon. A Nightmare on Elm Street, Part 2. my children now. Freddy's Revenge. <laughs> Alrighty, we're back. Let's talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Here's some quick movie facts about it. It was released November 1st, 1985. Directed by Jack Shoulder. If you're still alive, I am I hope I said that right. Uh, written by David Klaskin. Again, if you're alive, I hope I said that right. Uh, based on characters by Wes Craven, R.I.P. Uh, the film stars Mark Patton, Kim Myers, Robert Rusher, Clue Goldier, Hope Lang, and Robert England as Freddy Krueger, and the plot goes as such. Uh, Jesse Walsh moves with his family into the home of the lone survivor of a series of attacks by dream monster Freddy Krueger. There, Jesse is bedeviled by nightmares and inexplicable violent impulses. It turns out Freddy needs a host body to carry out his gruesome vendetta against the youth of Springwood, Ohio. While Freddy gains influence, Jesse and his girlfriend Lisa race against the clock to figure out What's going on? That's a very simplified plot of this movie. <laughs> uh, the budget for the film is $3 million, and the box office was $30 million. So they doubled it. Doubled or tripled? They, they doubled it. Um, upon And just one little fact here. Upon release, it received mixed reviews from critics, many of them comparing it unfavorably to its predecessor. However, it has enjoyed later success as a cult classic, with critics having reassess the film's homoerotic themes and subject material which is kind of where we're going to jump off with this movie here uh but first of all shelton give me your overall thoughts on a nightmare on elm street 2 uh overall thoughts it was I honestly like a lot of times i was finding myself saying like thinking it was ridiculous it was so weird like i i, I didn't really understand a lot of the lore it's like okay so what are the rules here? Okay, there are no rules. Oh, wait, now we have a rule? Okay, cool. It, it was so confusing in the structure of how things were supposed to go, and it felt like we were just kind of witnessing a set story that was meant to happen no matter what and found a way. <laughs> <laughs> That's, a... That's what it felt like to me. 
That's an interesting way to put it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, you're not wrong, per se. That's what it feels like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a sequel to a very successful movie um, that was A Nightmare on Elm Street, which came out, what, 84? So this is a year later. Um, but yeah, this... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> yeah, because, like, especially with the ending, it's like, okay, nothing mattered. Well, yeah. <laughs> at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't like the ending of this movie. It's, the but, ending uh, is awful because it doesn't make sense. It made sense in the other one. Well, even that one, it's just Nancy going, I don't believe in you anymore, and he just disappears. <laughs> oh, yeah, but then, you know, there's alternate endings with that one. So in one, everything's fine, and the other one, it's like, it's not over, bitch. And it's like, okay, cool, yeah, because for the very first one, you know, we're learning all the rules and things of how Freddy's powers work, and we're watching him wreak havoc how he does. But it's like, at the end, it's like, okay... He simply, because he's fucked with everybody mentally the whole time, yeah. as he always does in all of them. And so it's like, okay, you simply made them believe they won, but they didn't. Cool. Right. And then the second one, it's like, okay, you did it again, bro? But, really? But this time, I hid inside of a teenage boy. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like, why did you even have to do that? <laughs> if, if you didn't, like, because which ending is the canon one in the first one? I think it is just traditionally in the the ending of the first movie is considered to be just the the whole entire movie was a nightmare like it's it's Nancy's nightmare but then if you go to So it never happened or it it happened but it didn't happen so you have to go what? to part 3 <laughs> to really get the answer and in that one it's that she after the ending of the first movie her and Freddy continue to fought until she finally laid him to rest at some point again How they don't really go. I don't remember the details of it. You can go listen to our podcast on it. But um, oh, they're just trying to make sense of everything. Yeah, no. In the in the in the third movie, they specifically say that like Nancy and Freddie went at it a couple more times, and she finally like got rid of him by doing the same thing she did, which is taking away the energy or the fear that she had for him. And so mm-hmm. the way he had to be brought back in that one was to terrorize new teenagers. And they were able to bring him back. And there's something about hollowed bones. And that's where you get introduced to Amanda Kruger and his mom. You figure out his origin or how he was born. Um, But as far as the first movie goes, everything was a nightmare for Nancy specifically. So pretty much trust nothing, but also be cautious of everything. Yeah. Nothing matters, but everything matters. And enjoy the show. Yeah, like, if you want, you can cut off the first movie at the whole I don't believe in you, he turns to dust, and then she the movie ends. Like, her and her dad hug, and then the movie oh, ends. That's, that's that is the, the real ending. That is the, the ending that would help the other movies out. But if you do want to include the dream ending of her driving off in the car and her mom getting sucked through yeah. the door, then that whole thing... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then that whole thing was a reveal that it was a kind of an Inception style nightmare for Nancy specifically, and then you jump to the first, the third movie where they take both endings, but in the third movie specifically, her and Freddie continue to just have a few more rounds after the movie ended, and then she laid him the rest at some point because Nancy comes back as an adult. Okay, so yeah. canon can can oh, is it? It's canon. canon- Chronologically, it's canon. Chronolo- but if you, Thank you. Yeah, okay. chronologically, Here it's it canon. Is. But if you want to jump around, you don't have to have it. But chronologically, so pretty much, 
I don't believe in you. Yeah. Poof. Poof. They fight some more, and then she finally figures it out. Yeah, it's kind of like being in a. Okay. Yeah, you know, Freddy's whole thing okay, is where to fall asleep, but yeah. In that case, the ending to this one makes sense because simply saying you don't believe in him doesn't make anything happen. He's really like fucking with you. Yeah, no, this one he is just all over the place. <laughs> this one makes no Dude. goddamn sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, cool, bro. But we love it. I don't. Need to, I don't need to keep trying to make sense of it. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, you can you can put the pins off the wall now. You can take. You can. You know. I enjoy that. Cool <laughs> pins off. <laughs> Shit. You're trying to make connections to things you, especially to movies you have not seen like you should leave that the right answer <laughs> but anyway this movie here oh my god my overall thoughts of this movie has always been the fact that like as i i always go back to when i first saw like these movies and i was really i really dug this one although i feel like this is the one that gets forgotten about because it's aside from you know we were just talking about canon funny thing is this movie does not really matter in any of the canon at all like this movie is just a one really? off of the road like this movie like it's there you can watch it it does has no effect on anything that happens <laughs> anything else that happens because like as we move forward in the franchise parts three four five and six are all related and they all kind of then freddy versus jason kind of takes everything that happened but they always leave out this movie specifically and I don't know if it's homophobic or racist or whatever, but they just always kind of like, oh, this movie's just there. It's there. You can watch it, but it, you know, it doesn't really matter about anything. It doesn't really have an effect on anything else. <laughs> like Nancy's at Nancy's in college at this point. <laughs> oh well, yeah. But this movie, I've always seen it as like the the one that has the most interesting plot, but they don't do too much with it while. In part three, it's like, oh, they have an interesting plot and they do as much as they can with it. But this movie always felt like the most interesting because what is it like for Freddy Krueger to to like possess someone? Like not just be haunting and killing your dreams, but what if he actually wanted to be you? Like what if he wanted to possess you? Like what if that was his way out? Which makes sense because Nancy figures out in the first movie, hey, we can bring him out of the dream world into into the real world and kill him. Well, okay, what if he wanted to come back on his own terms? He just possessed someone because technically he is a spirit. That's scary. Like that that concept is scary. So at some point in this movie, when did it become a coming of age gay romance movie? <laughs> it's really hard to describe this movie sometimes, but like I don't. I think it's still fun. Overall, I like it, but it doesn't matter and it doesn't really have any effect on anything. But we're here to talk about it and we're going to talk about it. Um, number one, though, I do want to bring up the fact, or I do have that question. You know, is this a gay coming of age horror movie or is it just a horror movie that looks at the state of the emotional state of being a teenage boy which side do you err on after watching the movie sheldon i think looking into the emotional side of being a teenage boy but through the lens of someone who was erotically gay just because it's like that has nothing to do with the actual character you know yeah, it's not outwardly it, there, but it's not. It's not sure. It it's not outwardly there. It's not hinted at. The only undertones are what Freddie does, but we already know Freddie was doing whatever he did with everybody. <laughs> he liked them kids, so yeah. it's kind of like, is it him or is it a representation of Freddie? 
And if it's a representation of Freddy, should that be something he's responsible for? Okay. You know, because he was all over Lisa. They would have been good, ready to go, pound town type shit at, when that party happened if Freddy wasn't fucking around with them. Really, though? I mean, I mean, come on. Would he? They, they were so into each other. Okay, let's just let's let's slow it down here. So, number one, let's talk about Jesse, aka the actor Matt Mark Patton. Um, mm-hmm. I'm gonna take a guess, a stab in the dark here. I've never heard of this character or this actor until today. <laughs> so, <laughs> Mark Patton. Here's here's the big controversy of this movie. And Uh-oh. yeah, so Mark Patton, who played Jesse in this movie, when he filmed this movie, got cast and everything, he was. He was young, but he was also closeted, like strictly, like very, very closeted. And so when this movie came out and as uh, I want to say, like initially people just kind of didn't like it compared to the first movie. But as like, you know, give it uh, maybe like a year or so uh, later, people started assessing the movie and people did point out that this movie had very overt gay undertones and they were directly linked to Mark Patton who again was closeted he was living with a roommate who had aids at the time and so uh, he basically this movie in in the short sense of the story this movie kind of is responsible for outing him thus that caused him to not be as successful as a young actor in that up-and-coming time because this is the 80s we are talking reagan yeah so this guy's life was basically pretty much ruined and so he has a whole documentary on it you can go watch it it's a really good documentary and it's kind of relevant to what's happening now in tennessee as of this recording which is the whole the bill being passed and everything because mark Patton is also famous for kind of like when he officially when he went back to embracing this movie he would go to drag shows and people would because the lgbt community loves this movie like they love this movie specifically and uh it is very popular among the drag community for this movie's like this elm street movie specifically and so again you can go look at that documentary it's called uh scream queen uh my nightmare on elm street he, he talks about everything but um yeah so the big controversy is that he had a really big gripe with this movie because it, it basically outed him at a time where he did not want to be outed for safety reasons but um other than that, we do have the the actual film itself, and I think that, uh, well, the way he put it, from what I remember, is that it wasn't so that he was outed, but it's the fact that the writers of the movie wrote the movie as a homosexual subtext, but they denied it, and so he just wanted them to admit that, which I don't really know if they ever did admit it, but basically, that's where you get a lot of the the the, the controversy from. And so looking into this movie, I when I first saw the movie, I did not read it as gay at all. I read it as, oh, this is just Freddy being weird as shit. But uh, really? Yeah. But the second time I watched it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Consider this. You are a 25-year-old man. I When yes. I first watched this, I was, what, 14? Okay. Like, I Very watched true. it, like, not even 14, like, maybe, like, no, like, yeah, yeah like, 14. Even- even the part like when the coach gets killed really yeah i didn't i didn't know at that time i was what like, really <laughs> i was like, i would have known <laughs> at 14 i would have fucking known dude 
I was discovering horror for the first time. So I was like, all right, well, this is maybe I was older. I won't say 14. What? How old are we? I, in I freshman did, year. I, I watched a lot of like late night television, though. Okay, yeah, that's the difference. I didn't. I mean, yeah, I did, I but I didn't. A shit ton of late night television, television, yeah. dude, like a ton of it. But I did. I did catch so it the second sense. time I watched it, which would have been around because you know me, I watch movies like back to back. So I didn't catch it the first time I watched it, but the second time I was like, wait a minute, there's something fishy going on here. And then as I got older, watched the movie many more times, did some research. I was like, okay, yeah, it's there. And yeah, it's, the, it's apparent, dude. It's very much, and I, it's again, it's kind of like it. For me, it's the charm of this movie that of how gay it is. I love it. <laughs> I just love how like how weird this movie is, and how the fact that it's a sequel, and it's like wow, this is way this is the amount of time this is the amount of time you can be really weird in sequels, and people wouldn't bat an eye. But this, I I like it though. Like this, I'm trying to like think of like specific like moments that really jumped out to me. The the coach obviously is one big creep. <laughs> The coach is a one big creeper, but then you have like the the dance sequence. <laughs> that entire movie was a lot. <laughs> the entire movie. I think like you know him when Jesse and Grady are wrestling each other after what what they're playing softball. Dude, I wanted to talk about this earlier. Yeah, when he fucking pantsed him. <laughs> why the fuck did Jesse? Not have anything on but a jock strap. I was like, <laughs> why? I get that they're playing baseball, I guess, but if there you're... was just no reason for us to see their ass, why was he wearing There's no reason at all? Why is this 16 year old boy wearing a jock strap while wearing what sweatpants to play baseball? Usually, you would have like a cup on, maybe, but like if you have a cup yeah. on. Then you would wear baseball pants. Why are you wearing just straight up jogging pants to gym class? <laughs> and, wearing a, just a fucking jock strap. And we just get cheeks. We just get cheeks like 30 minutes into this For movie. For what reason? And, and dude, I know that actor when they were wrestling around. It was this ass dragging on the ground. The fucking ground. And then. <laughs> I know that hurt. <laughs> right. But the part that gets me is like the girls are like, oh, <laughs> nice ass. Everyone's. I mean, she she wasn't wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> still, like, it was unnecessary. There was no reason. So, yeah. So, well, I guess we'll bring it up more as we get into the movie, but let's, uh, let's get into the movie here. So, the movie opens up with this fantastic dream sequence of Jesse riding the school bus mm-hmm. to, to school, but it turns out that Freddy's the bus driver, and for some reason, we end up on this giant cliff, and Freddy kills, like, the two girls... That are on this bus with him. My only thing that jumped out to me this time watching is that Jesse looks just like Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh my god, I thought so too. <laughs> I was like, why does he look like Jeff Dahmer? <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, I was like, why are these random people in this bus with Jeffrey Dahmer? <laughs> What's Jeffrey doing? Like, did I put on the right movie? <laughs> and then Freddie shows up. I'm like, okay, I did. It's just the '80s. Yep. But um, but th- so then, wait, wait, wait. Okay, wait. yeah. I I do want to address when it comes to Jesse. I felt as though in that sequence at the beginning, his character that you meet and see afterwards feels like they are completely different people. E- yes, I agree with that. <laughs> okay, thank you. Because I was like, I was like, okay, so this is the main character. I don't know who those other people were. I have no idea. <laughs> 
the girls just like snickering back and forth, and then they just kind of die. But yeah, no, he does look yeah. so different from then when we really meet him. Which Jesse Walsh, J- Jesse Jesse Walsh, we're following up Nancy Thompson, who was the star of the last movie. You know, watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Heather Langenkamp is not the best actress, but she makes that movie, especially at the end where she's physically like setting traps and fighting Freddy and setting him on fire. This dude, I love that. Like just I like like Nancy what screams like three times out of that out of that whole entire first movie. Jesse is screaming throughout this entire movie <laughs> at a pitch level that I'm pretty sure it would kill like birds. Like <laughs> this this man, this this boy is screaming his ass off and is sweating his ass off. I'm Dude, surprised he didn't slip out of the bed. Scream? When I first heard his scream, I thought it was a woman. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, that's him. And then you keep hearing it. And you're like, okay, no, that's Jesse. And you see why oh, he was hired. He sounds like a punk. <laughs> he, is, he is the first, like, official literal scream king. Like, this, like, this dude screamed his ass. Like, I felt bad for his vocal cords. Would you say he walked so scream queens could run? Probably. <laughs> That's a, that's a joke. That was a bad joke, but you know, it was did, a bad joke. He did wear the jock strap, so he had some kind of staple in it. So, oh my god! But you know what? The part that made me laugh the most about this beginning is that he screams. What? He screams so loud that the family downstairs can hear him, and his little sister just starts the morning off with the most shade. That she, <laughs> she, Mom, why is Jesse? Why can't Jesse wake up like anyone else? <laughs> Dude, she asked that. And I was like, "Dang, like, damn. a nightmare. Is it really that bad?" Like, little girl, if you don't eat no your cereal and mind your business, like, why? No at all. Just roasting her own brother. She might as well have looked up and said, "Mom, why can't he shut the fuck up?" Right. <laughs> why is he such a little bitch? Like, <laughs> it's awful. No, it's just bad dreams, sweetie. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh my god! Yes. So um, from there, we do end up meeting the high school, and I do love the high school here. Again, it is the high school from Karate Kid, but um, we get introduced to Jesse's girlfriend? Question mark. Lisa, who looks like a really young and weird version of Meryl Streep, but uh, Lisa. It's got to be the most sweetest but dumbest character I've ever seen. <laughs> I agree. It's like you love her because she's so sweet. But, she... but then she does something and it's like, bitch, you're so... <laughs> <sighs> right, like she reads no signs at all. Not even just with Jesse. But like she has no social cues. And I guess it makes sense because she's rich. But like this... <laughs> She believes anything you tell her. The entire movie, I was wondering if at some point we were going to get some indicator that she was blind. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I would not be mad. (laughs) I would not be (laughs) as mad. But yeah, Lisa is a character. So she is supposed to be Jesse's. Okay, let's. This is where we get into timeline issues. I don't know if you caught on to the timeline stuff in this movie. But like, no. number one, Jesse and his family have just moved in, have moved into Nancy's house. Now, I'm assuming they just moved in. Yet Jesse already has a girlfriend named Lisa. So the big question is: Are they moving to Springwood? Or are they moving to a different house in Springwood? Because you know, I didn't think about that. 
because they never really answer it. But like, if he just moved there, but he's already he, he's already been dating Lisa for a while, then I'm guessing he just moved houses. So I can kind of go with that. Number yeah. two, to, still though, the second part of that is that they still he, he the first half of this movie, his dad keeps telling him to unpack his boxes. How long have they been there? Because everything else is unpacked. The entire living room and kitchen are furnished and set. But Jesse's okay. room <laughs> is completely... Okay. To be fair, to be very fair, I feel like I'd be the type of person to move in somewhere and just have everything in boxes unless I needed it immediately or at that moment. Oh, man. Like, and I could, see, I could see my family moving somewhere, that being the case, and Dad saying, hey... You you don't don't go anywhere. Don't do anything unless it's unpacking that fucking room. <laughs> and then you just turn on the radio. And it'd really be a loud. whole day. <laughs> turn on the radio really loud I mean, and have as, a dance party. As, as I like actually plug stuff in and got stuff up and running, yeah, mm-hmm. it'd be my room. I'd do what the fuck I wanted. <laughs> like gyrate with a uh, I don't know with a slide whistle with you. <laughs> no, that was just fucking dumb. <laughs> Put on some sunglasses. I don't know why he did that. I feel like that was specifically, like, as I said before, everything in this movie feels like it is meant to happen. And no matter what it is going to, <laughs> whether it's logical or not. And so he just had to get walked in on by his mom and Lisa. It, it had no, to happen. It, 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 it had no reason, though. <laughs> no, it had to happen. It had to. <laughs> Because everything in this movie is destined. And it's, it's like, fate. you're not wrong. But it makes <laughs> my <know>. brain hurt. <laughs> it's so fucking strange. It feels like it feels like they had like a script, but they, you know, in script writing, you're allowed to just put insert here for later. It's very popular. But like, it feels like they just had like, we need a scene here. I just make him dance. <laughs> Like, you sure you don't want to add like anything else? No, let's just make him dance, and that is kind of it how they describe like, it. <laughs> it feels like a lot of it was improv, but they were on the same page, right? Like everybody was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. "Yeah, yeah, we'll add it, we'll <laughs> add it later." Yeah, it was by committee, except for the actor. If the actor looked very uncomfortable, <laughs> um, but yeah, so we end up meeting the friends here. So I, I did not catch the the girl's name at first, but the Lisa's friend is named Carrie. And then we have Ron Grady, or Grady, which is, he starts off as Jesse's bully. They end up becoming friends, and I'm assuming they end up becoming unrequited lovers <laughs> until he dies. But yeah. I will say Grady's my favorite character just because he's, one, I think he's the best actor in the movie. And two, he's just. He was so annoying. But he was so fun. <laughs> he was so annoying. He is who I aspire. Who He, he is who I aspire to be. <laughs> I, Why? Because he was do you like these shitty characters. He was so cool, though. You're supposed to not like them. Did you see they the abs? Suck. He, the dude had really good abs. He has abs. <laughs> he was funny. Aren't fucking dickhead. <laughs> I did. I yeah. I didn't know why he had like such a bone to pick with uh, Jesse at all. Like he was just really torturing him. That's the thing. That's what didn't make sense. <laughs> My That's guess is that he liked like, it. They, they, they did that, but they were friends. Yeah, but like... They, they were friends, but all they did was fight. Exactly. Until the <laughs> end. They was like, hey man, I'm being a dick to you. Shut up. 
okay, love you, buddy. And then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, man, I need, I need to stay in your house. Okay, it's fine. And then dies. <laughs> and then dies. But, like, why? What? Why are you friends? I don't Your know. relationship is built around disliking each other. Which the first is... time we see you interact is when you get, both get in trouble because of each other. Right, man. We already talked about it, the jockstrap scene, but like the you're coach. Not set to be a friend. <laughs> Maybe they're you're like... set to be a bully or an antagonist. Maybe they're friends by like just proximity because, or, you know, shared trauma. Maybe. I don't know. But the coach I, I guess really keeps the, pairing the them together. I guess the push ups should have made bonded, them. Bonded them together. Bond. Yeah, the first time, even though they don't really. They they respond negatively towards each other and then it's over. Yeah, but I, mean, I guess that's supposed to mean they bonded and they're cool now. I don't know. I mean, they eat lunch together now. It would make more sense if Grady was dating Carrie, which he is not in this movie. Carrie again is Lisa's friend who just kind of talks about how hot everyone is and oh, she just fucks around and ha- does her thing. That's but it. like, it would make more sense if they were was together. Like, I'm gonna do. And then he came back around. and He was like, "Nah, I'm listening to Lisa. Go away." Yeah, she was a straight up pimp. <laughs> Shout out to her. But <laughs> he was a pimp. Glad she lived. But like. It, right, Grady. I, I love that she got to stay the Styles type of character. Yes, <laughs> but like Grady had no reason to be around these characters other than hey, I used, to, <laughs> I kind of know Jesse. It was I was That's like, it. why he doesn't he doesn't attempt to flirt with Carrie at all? They just they I don't even think they really interact. But like just... they don't they they know of each other. They're friends, I guess. Yeah, like but he's eating lunch with them. Laughing. It's always her responding sarcastically to him be- existing, and that's it. But I, I got it. But still, Grady is still like Grady is the most fun character to me. <laughs> he's just so funny. <laughs> I loved him so much. Okay, so um, he's funny. Oh, the, the scene where he's talking with his mouth full. Yeah, the entire at lunch. Oh my god, realistic. <laughs> realistic no you <laughs> at some point you would eat the fucking food then you would finish talking mm, well true <laughs> I, mm, well, mm, all right exactly <laughs> only question i have is like where did he get where did the snake come from when he's like jesse falls asleep in class and grady looks over it was like the teachers or a class that type thing but like did grady put him over there did freddie put the snake over there like how did the fucking that is one that's the thing i wondered because like there's no way that anybody moved during class and put that snake on him or near him or around him i thought it was the teacher noticing right like i thought it was grady but like grady never moves from his seat or we never see him move from his seat the way they I, i thought it was just like a coincidence to kind of be a fake out for the movie you know, like, uh, yeah. the snake is a class thing. It's always there. It got out. No one noticed. Crawled on him. But then I was like, okay, but if that's the case, why did the teacher react to him as though he was fucking around when the snake kind of crawled on him? And that's 100% on the teacher then. <laughs> it, it's like you're supposed to make sure that snake's in the cage unless you are monitoring it. Right. And if you're not, then... It should be there. It's yeah. on a student. That's a fucking lawsuit. <laughs> right. Let's get some. Let's get a fucking bag. <laughs> hey yo, I think that's, that's <laughs> all right. We need a time machine and we need to go back to this movie <laughs> right now. They need some uh, money. But would, any, but would anybody care uh, at that year? Nineteen eighty-five. 
Nah, there's yeah. A lot, there's a lot. Would of anybody people. care in 1985? Probably not. I don't think so. It was, yeah, just, nah, it'd be like, you'd be like, what the fuck? What are you, you pussy? <laughs> <laughs> so I think that rounds out most of our main characters. I think the only character we should talk about, or the only two characters we have left to talk about are the coach and Freddy, which we'll get to. But um, I do want to touch on some of the nightmares here. Uh, number one, I mean, it is there's rarely any nightmares in this movie other than Jesse. He's the only one having yeah. like nightmares, and we don't really see them. Well, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like every time Freddy shows up, it feels like it's a nightmare, but it's not. Yeah, like that's Jesse, the weird thing. Again, the whole possession. It's like, it's like thing. oh, this is a nightmare, and it's like no, this is real life. He's killing everyone, not just <laughs> the person he was stalking. Yes, so it's like, it, and, what are the rules for the possession happening here? Is he it, the thing that makes it most confusing? Is when he kills Coach, it's like okay, it's actually Jesse. When he kills his best friend, you know, it's actually Jesse or his boyfriend. We don't know. Whatever, <laughs> but um, when like at the pool party, he's just fucking killing everybody, and everybody sees Freddy. Right, so like, it's like. What? Lisa. Lisa sees Freddy. This ain't even the dream world anymore. Just kick his ass. No one brought him out of the dream world, so it's not like he's powerless. He seems more powerful because he's making shit explode. That's what I don't get. Like, he turned into a fucking poltergeist? Yeah, like, when you bring Freddy out. And when the... was Freddy a fucking poltergeist? <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, in the first movie, they strictly say if we bring him out, he is powerless. And they 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 stuck to that exactly. through every exactly. other movie. Up? Even in Freddy versus Jason, where he is, he is still strong enough to fight yes. Jason, but he loses that fight. Well, yeah, because he, he has the strength of a middle-aged man, but right. that's about it. It's not. It's, it's He's not still powerless. Stronger. It's average human. But in this movie, Freddy gets a boost. <laughs> Dude, he's fucking gutting teenagers that look like adults everywhere. He is roasting hot dogs on the grill without even touching oh, man. them. them them weenies were popping <laughs> man i was i was so thrown off i have not seen this movie in so long so i was so thrown I've off by how powerful like freddie was in this movie walter when i watch the movies before i come on this podcast a lot of times i'm doing other things as i watch them i know and this had me stopping from doing those things <laughs> to look at the screen over confusion <laughs> And to make sure I understood what the fuck was going on. Because to have something going on in the background that's that's that absurd and has so much going on and not fucking look in awe, you have to. And I love that. That's that's how I know it's great. (laughs) Oh, okay. So I do want to say this. I like the first one better. Oh, yeah, no, the first one's a way better movie. <laughs> <laughs> Number three is a way better movie than both move, than oh, both dang. of them, too. But, yeah, definitely check out three. <laughs> but I will say this movie does have some really great some really great moments. Like, my favorite Freddy Krueger moment ever is in this movie where he is during the first or the second dream Jesse has where he finds Freddy in the boiler room and then he tries to yeah. run up the stairs and Freddy, like, cuts him off. And he goes... You know, I need you, Jesse. You've got the body. I've got the brain. And then pulls back his own head, and you see his brain. Yeah, hey, yeah. That was cool. That was spooky. I did enjoy that. Like, and I, th- I do like this look of Freddy. Freddy's look kind of changes throughout movie to movie. But this one, they went more meaty, wet, wetness rather than like. Because in the first one, he's kind of like Pete. He's kind of like just really a burned dude. 
He's a burned yeah. old man. He, he, they get that look right. But in this one, he's very they they like and I don't know they kept like spraying him down between takes. But like he, he looks he looks he looks scabby, fleshy. Yeah, like he looks fleshy. Yeah, like they really amped it up at this one, and he's like his eyes—you can barely see his eyes because of how like caked on it is, and it's. Yeah, he he looks pretty scary actually. Yeah, like when you see him on the screen, he actually feels menacing. Yeah, and that's one thing they do achieve in this movie. Yeah, I do like that a lot. I do like his look, but it's just like, oh, I don't want to touch him. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) God, that makes him touching you even fucking worse. (laughs) Oh. So like, hell no. Right. I'd have to fucking hit him with something. Man, oh man. Okay. I'll tell you what, like I don't give a fuck. I, I gotta say this because yeah. I I feel as though it's the proper time. I don't give a fuck if it's a paranormal thing attacking me, if it's a humanoid thing attacking me. If I have something to fucking hit you with, I'm gonna do that. You're at least gonna get one fucking good hit before I die. <laughs> that is true. I think that's how anyone would react. But like, except for the guy at the end of this movie, his his whole tactic was good intention, but wrong place, wrong time. I, he would have been a good man. therapist. <laughs> He's like, look, man, we're gonna get you some help. All right, we can help you. Just let us know what's happening. And then he, <laughs> Freddie's like, help your oh, fucking man. self, and then just slashes him across the face. That was so. It was such an unnecessary scene, but at the same time, it was an amazing scene. Oh man! Well, I mean, I I know we're we're jumping around here. We are jumping around here, but I will say the pool party. I love the fact that people were jumping in the pool, then jumping right back out of it. (laughs) There's no shit. It was kind of funny to me how the pool was boiling. Everyone got out, and then people started jumping back into the pool, and Freddie started fucking with shit. Yeah, like it's like you just got out of the pool because it, it was scalding hot. It made and you're sense. Diving back in, are you dead now? And it caught on fire. Yeah, those people were dead, but like it made sense they because like dead. they got out because it was boiling. Then Freddie pops out, and that's when they immediately jump back in. There's like, oh shit! <laughs> like, how is that going to get you away from him? Oh god, it's just like that that reaction. So, um, let's see here, uh, uh, uh. Moving into the nightmare, so we do we get we do get coach. How do you feel about coach? Coach should probably be fired, right? Like, <laughs> uh, well, he is not it, really. It's not why. I don't know. It's just the way he acted when it came to Jesse and Grady. It was like, ah, oh, that's a little bit too. And the fact that like, no, that that was for the time. Okay, so the tension was like that, but in a way, so this this coach the character tension was the thing where they could. You know, call it on you, and then you're there after school. It doesn't matter what's going on. You got detention. Yeah, but if you see your student at the same S and M bar that you are at, and you make them, <laughs> don't you don't take them home. You take them I to mean, the school, make them run laps barefoot and shirtless, and then take a shower. It doesn't make a. It doesn't make sense to me at all. But they did it. <laughs> Like that had that had molestation did. written all over it for me. <laughs> it did. He it had really jump rope did. and everything. <laughs> it's like I can understand the punishment for that time, but I feel like you would say, "Hey, when we go back to school, when you're doing around. that at practice, you know, yeah. like you're in trouble. You know, you're in trouble at practice. Um, not, hey, little boy, that's at a bar. Let's go." 
back to school and run around the gym. <laughs> that felt disgusting. <laughs> that felt... I, I hated that. That felt disgusting. <laughs> I feel disgusting. But uh, yeah, you're right. This coach here, which who just really loved Adidas, by the way, he's just wearing that Adidas shirt. But I do, I do love the death because <laughs> Jesse's taking a shower. Meanwhile, as he's taking a shower, this coach is being bombarded with paranormal activity. <laughs> he, he's getting shit thrown yeah. at him. <laughs> which, 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 wait, which? Yeah. Because at this point, we're learning and we're establishing the fact that Jesse is the one actually doing the killings and stuff. Yes. So right. is all of that Jesse? No, I I think but it is Freddy, Freddy. Him, or see that's the thing that's confusing throughout the entire movie. That is true. Is so, it is it a dream, and is he targeting one person, or is he in reality doing things there? So because that's the thing. Freddy yeah. doesn't. He's the dream demon. Yeah. <laughs> so here's how I read it. So Jesse falls asleep, or whatever happens to make Jesse subconscious become conscious. That is Freddy Krueger. Freddy is possessed Jesse. And so whenever Jesse gets into a sleep-like state, Freddy takes over. That I can go with. As far as Freddy doing things in the real world... Yeah, that's another thing. So in the first movie, we do remember that Rod, or Rod, Rod Lane, who was accused of killing Tina, and, and he he's in jail. And so while he's asleep, Freddy uses the bed sheet to hang him to kill him to make it look like an accident and nancy sees it in her dream but when we look at when they when they go back to the movie itself they're saying oh he hung himself with the bed sheet but we know that it was freddy and in some cases freddy when someone is dreaming freddy's able to manipulate the world the the outside world around them to some extent but when in the dream world freddy does have full-on telekinesis when he needs it in this movie, I assume it to not be a dream because they do find the coach sprawled up and dead. Yep. But the fact that it was all done telekinetically does bother me because he should not be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. But if it's Freddy inside from. of Jesse with the power Freddy's still... Freddy's the poltergeist, okay? <sighs> That okay, I, I can go with that if he was confined to the house, but no, he's not. Yeah, yep. and so if Je if Freddy Krueger is inside of Jesse, possession or not, he should not be able to have the same abilities that he has in the dream world. That's where I draw the line. Yep, that's what confused me. <laughs> he should be able like, to just okay, operate normally. This is the dream world. Wait, no, it's not. Then how does he do that? That doesn't make sense. Right. It's Freddy. What the fuck is this? <laughs> oh man. But uh so yeah, the answer to your question is I don't know, they never thought of it. They didn't do it, so we're not gonna do the work for them. <laughs> oh my god. But I do That's like a the kill. Horrible answer. I do like the kill a lot where he's just like, like the the whip. <laughs> no, Clash. for me, for me, it's the fact that like he drags him into the shower, and then the shower starts spraying blood. And he, why like... does he? Why does he get stripped naked? <laughs> I love that. And he whipped with a towel. <laughs> he like rips his clothes off at one fell swoop, like just strip. Yeah, 
<laughs> then it whips him with that towel. Like, why? It felt like we were watching an 80s porn. Why? <laughs> Again, I guess Freddy in this movie represents homosexuality. So. Why? <laughs> the, the, why? It's, yeah, it's a very bad way of displaying that. There's in, in no reason. It. No. It's like, hey, the BDSM dude, let's. <laughs> In a BDSM way. Why? And then it doesn't stop there because Jesse wakes up from his dream state with the Freddy glove in hand and screams his ass off. And so we cut to his family waking up. Jesse did all that? So yeah, I assume that Jesse is the one that killed him physically. We just see Yeah, but the thing is, the thing is, would that mean I thought about this when I watched it? Would that mean that Jesse was just throwing shit at him? Out of the like basketball, the shit at him, no- knocked him down, See, got the jump rope, fucking tied his ass up, <laughs> whipped him with a towel a few times, and slashed him. Because that's what it looks like. I don't know. <laughs> that's what it looks like. And it's what the why? I don't know. Freddy. Why did they do that? Did he sit there and whip him with a towel too? Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> But but the part that baffles me the most is the fact that like his parents, Jesse's parents, wake up, and this has to be. I don't know if it's weirder for the parents or weirder for the police officers, but they bring Jesse yeah. home, and he's like, "Yeah, uh, is this yours? Yes, we found him on the side of the road, walking naked, basically in the rain. You may want to keep a tight leash on him." I'm like, "Yeah, well, for a police officer, that has to be the weirdest thing I've." you would ever have to say to someone and you have to deal with like crack addicts in the eighties, <laughs> but a teenage boy naked walking in the rain. <laughs> and though so the part that gets me about that is the next day he goes to school and they're like, Oh yeah, he died. I'm sorry. Yeah. Wouldn't Jesse be like the first yeah. person you arrest? <laughs> Suspect number fucking one walking away from the sc- where the school is <laughs> which is past a highway apparently but yeah like the incident that's happened that could be related like i gotta know it's the early oh 80s so maybe dna wasn't as what it should have been or but as you it is know today. cops are horrible in horror movies but like that's like that's not even investigation that's observation like that we saw we saw black christmas though but that was the 70s. We're talking about 80s right now. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It didn't change in horror movies. You have multiple witnesses at the SM bar that saw it, them leave it together. Matter. It doesn't matter, Walter. Oh my God. You know why? Because this is a horror movie. <laughs> it does not matter. You're right. But also. Mm. Freddy's powers already don't make sense. Oh, man. Uh, you see why this movie is wildly forgotten about, right? <laughs> yes. I want to forget it. Speaking of things we want to forget, uh, Lisa, after finding her boyfriend dancing very um, fruity in his bedroom, she just hump- She just stumbles oh, upon no. Nancy's journal, and that gives us all the information we need. What the fuck was up with that? I don't know. Is that a Freddy thing? Was there something with that? Like, was the house supposed to be more important? Right, so the house does become important as the series goes on, just because it's Nancy's house. And so they kind of mm-hmm. just, you know, I think it's just a horror movie thing, especially around that time where you want to establish a franchise. You know, Halloween, you have the Myers house. Um, 
Chucky, you have his, yeah, but... you have the actual doll body. You have to have something recognizable for people to lean onto, to grab right, onto. But the, the house, even though it's supposed to be that recognizable thing, doesn't mean a lot. Well, true. I mean, outside of it just being Nancy's house, it doesn't. <laughs> Maybe because that's the first Nancy is the first person to defeat him, so that's why. But the house does come back. Like, you know, we have it in this movie. The boiler room supposed to be his thing. He does have the boiler room, but again, that changes from movie to movie of where that actually is. Like traditionally, like in this movie, they say it's a power plant. Um, in the other movies, they say he was working somewhere, and I know in the remake, it was like, oh, it's a it's an elementary school boiler room, but... I, yeah, usually, like, the, the one is the elementary school boiler room. Yeah, here they say it's a power plant. I think in part three, they say it's it was like a, a some other building. It, it changes, but it's mostly the house. Nancy's house is the most, like, aside from Freddy Krueger himself... Nancy's house is the most recognizable like factor people know because like even in Freddy versus Jason the main house that they're at is Nancy's house in, in the mm. first half of the movie oh if, uh, if well. you haven't watched Freddy versus Jason in a while but yeah the the house that they're yeah, the yeah. them are at and so yeah like they always go back to this house which it makes sense in this movie because Jesse's moved in the house my thing is why did it take him so long to find this diary <laughs> after having like that's what I'm saying I mean, I don't mind Nancy having a diary of her explaining everything. I mean, it's a good exposition tactic. But the fact that, like, Lisa holds on to this journal as, like, a Bible for the rest of the movie. She's like, after they find this journal, every other line that comes out of Lisa's mouth is, well, Nancy's journal said this, or Nancy's journal said this, and we could use Freddy to defeat Nancy with Nancy's journal. I'm like, lady, calm down. Your boyfriend's having a mental panic attack. You you don't need to slap the Bible in his face. Yeah. At the same time, though, it had useful information. That they don't use! <laughs> oh, well, they use it here and there. She tries for, to like, use inspiration. it. That's it. But they use it, I guess. Oh, boy. Meanwhile, Freddy does try to bait uh, Jesse using the, the glove and telling him to kill for him again. I did like that scene where he opens the drawer and Freddy's hand is just there. <laughs> Uh, there's also a really cool line that I love, which just so uh, Jesse tries to talk his problems out after not he decides not to really talk to Lisa, but he goes to Grady. He's like, "Hey, Grady, do you remember your dreams?" And Grady goes, "Only the wet ones." And I laugh really. I laugh. That was that. funny. Yeah, that was a good one. And then we get to the most ridiculous that. scene in a movie ever, where <laughs> it's really hot in the house, and they. <laughs> We get introduced. Oh, bird. We get these cannibalistic, spontaneously combusting birds. <laughs> I love that this. whole scene. Didn't make sense. He was like, "It's really hot in here," and then she's like, "Shh, the parakeets are sleeping." The cage starts <laughs> rattling, and they open it, and one of the parakeets has deheaded the other one, <laughs> and it bursts out of the cage somehow, and it starts attacking everybody. <laughs> And then it does everything that it does the best thing it could do, where it just flies up into the ceiling and then bursts into flames. And somehow it's <laughs> Jesse's fault. Right. You rigged that word, didn't you? Excuse me, sir. I just came down the stairs. You literally just saw me come down I'm the very stairs. Glad he said, You can't talk to me like that. Because I was like, Dude, yeah, that wasn't what you should have said, but. <laughs> At least you expressed that that was not okay. What the fuck? 
But what kills me is that later on, I think it's the scene after this, the toaster explodes and he wasn't even plugged up. And he goes, well, that's the strangest thing I've seen in my life. Sir, a bird. That should have been the first response. (laughs) A bird exploded in your face. And the toaster is what brings you like, the toaster is what alarms you. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Oh man, I don't like the dad. I feel like it should have happened in reverse. Right, like the scenes got switched around at some point. Very much so. All right, so I think we're gonna finally. I think we covered most of the things in here. So let's just we're gonna we're gonna end here by talking about Freddy Krueger, and then that'll lead us into recommends. And I guess we can touch on more of the pool party if you want. But Freddy Krueger himself, we talked about how his rules don't make sense in this movie. But how do you like his character in this movie? The way he acts, the way he talks. What what what's your thoughts on Freddy in this movie? In this one, I think Freddy's more menacing. He's a lot more terrifying in this one. But it, at the same time, I think it's because of the fact that he kind of has limitless power in a way because the rules of what works and does not work against him is are so limited in this one, you know? Yeah. But besides that, I don't know. He doesn't seem too interesting. He has good jokes, though. He is joking it up while terrifying and killing people. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. that's kind of pretty stick anyway. He's definitely a lot more talkative than in the first movie. In the first movie, he was just like, he wasn't really saying much in the first movie other than that. At least until it came to like Nancy. Um, but And I know in the third movie, is the, the third movie is the best Freddy, where he's got that balance of menace and jokes. But that's where he also starts calling everybody bitch. And so you get that scary Terry. Oh, the scary Terry, yeah. Yes, yeah, so Nightmare 3 is the Freddy people know. But this one, like I said, I think I feel like a lot of the makeup is weighing Robert England down in this one because it feels it does look very caked on. And so while I think it does add to the performance of him being a lot more menacing, he does he doesn't come off as boring, but he does come off as kind of like uh, I don't know. He's not as he's not doing as much as he used to, or as he did in the first movie. If we're comparing the two, but I like he feels only really. It feels as though he's only really going to kill people that aren't main characters. Yeah, I guess one he needs one to survive, and two I guess he's just fucking with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But yeah, I I I do like. Again, I like the look of Freddy in this movie, but I I think the character is lacking as far as like him being a killer. Like he's not outside I of agree. that outside of the one line he gives about the brain. I don't think of anything else that's memorable. Like even when he's driving the bus, yeah. he just laughs. Usually he would say something pretty fucked up and clever, but he just laughs. Wasn't it interesting? Yeah, it's, it's just kind of like a yeah. I, it, it gives less personality. It doesn't really feel as though there's a reason. It just kind of is like, hey, you're screwed. <laughs> Sucks for you. You lost the... Spank with a towel. Fucking, I don't know, something. Uh, it, it just doesn't really make sense. It just kind of happens. Yeah. And you're going to witness it, and that's it. This seems to be... Uh, Everything your... feels very faded in this one. It's just kind of like, 
yeah, we're doing this. Go ahead and watch it. It is what it is. Right. Like they they made this really quickly. <laughs> oh man. I do like the chase scene, the mini chase scene between him and Lisa. Lisa kicks him in the face, but before that Dude, like, Freddie Freddie bites her in the ankle. <laughs> I thought that was it, funny. It was decent. I think that was a good like, you know, way to you know, she kicked him in the face, but he bit her. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, no, that's all right. They could have went for a simple, like, claw scratch, but I guess that works. Ooh, speaking of claws, how'd you like? A, did you like that the the finger, like the knives, came out of the fingernails instead of the glove this time? Oh God, that looked fucking rough. I didn't notice it in the uh, glove itself, if I'm honest. But you know, when it comes to that scene where it was coming out of Jesse, I was like, oh shit, that looks yeah. awful. Yeah, any after Jesse transforms, anytime Freddy shows up, he doesn't have the glove on. It's just the knives coming out of the fingers. Oh, really? Yeah, throughout the third, like the second, or I guess this would be the third act. So, yeah, throughout the entire third act, it's just the fingers. No glove. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I thought it was a really interesting detail for any diehards out there, or just, you know, if you want to, like, get a closer look. But, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Um. How'd you feel about the transformation scene? Um, I didn't. I know I said we're gonna end, but I didn't want to skip this scene because it, one, it's the it's the most like possible scene ever, where he's like, like you were saying, him and Lisa are going at it, but he starts getting Freddy tongue, and so he runs over to Gr- Grady's house. Oh which, god! How Freddy far tongue. is Grady's house? <laughs> Wait, how did he I get there? I guess they all live in the same neighborhood. Yeah, I guess they all live on Elm, which me and Roderick establishes the longest street of of. Ever when don't worry with, about it. Everyone lives there. Yeah, because there's nothing but kids that Freddy can kill endlessly for seven movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, Grady, he goes to Grady. He's like, "There's something inside me. There's something trying to get inside my body." And Grady goes, "Yeah, she's female and waiting in the in the cabana, and you oh, want to sleep so with funny. me." <laughs> but yeah, how do you feel about that whole like transformation scene of Freddy coming out of <laughs> literally coming out of Jesse? It was actually really creepy. Definitely, it was very freaky, dude. Still to I this day. Yeah, I think it still works. Definitely nightmare fuel. I I love the shot of you know I like you know I like things about eyes. So I love the shot where Jesse is like oh, screaming. Eyes now? Yeah, and the eyes like looking like yeah. Like there's there's Freddy. That's the Freddy we know. <laughs> Just being weird for no fucking reason. Yeah, that was more on par. <laughs> and then he like comes out of his stomach and. Then I do like Grady's. I think Grady's death is my favorite. I, I probably said the coach is my favorite earlier, but I, I like Grady's death where he is screaming <laughs> for his dad. It's very heart wrenching, honestly. He's screaming for his dad, and despite the the nice abs, he gets like slashed. And the, I do like yeah, the, the knives coming yeah, out of the door. Sorry, Walter, but nice abs do not mean you don't get stabbed through them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. DC Comics let me down with that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but yeah i do like that the the knives come out like the finger knives come out of the door and his dad's like oh shit like door is like no he's like open the damn door yeah. i saw through and then the knives through the door with the blood and he's like oh no okay i get it now i get it now Man, I I just wanted a shot of like the parents immediately leaving. Like that should have been the next shot, but they cut away. 
Um, there's another great line, Freddie, when he reveals himself to the party at the pool, <laughs> at the pool party. He goes, "You're all my children now." As the fire just like that was weird and creepy. I didn't like that. It was creepy. It didn't make any sense, but it was creepy. <laughs> I like it. Was it. A little nasty. I didn't like it. Freddie like throws like, a dude. Freddie to... comes over a crowd of teenagers. <laughs> You're all my children now. now. Like no. Proceeds Why? to stab all of them. <laughs> that, was, that was very pedo like. There's one dude that like gets that. trampled. That was pretty sad. I was like, oh. That, it, it looked funny because he didn't do it well. Yeah. <laughs> you can still see him breathing a bit. It's just like they step on his head. It tilts to the side for a little bit. And then a uh, force to be seen. And he just goes, eh. and then blood comes out of his mouth. Yeah, but Freddy was just slashing up all these teenagers. Uh, he throws one dude into a grill, though. <laughs> and then it just yeah, explodes. I, I wondered if he was, like, supposed to be dead since he rolled away from the fire that came out. Yeah. But I'm just going to assume that he died because Freddy touched him. Just, <laughs> just one. I, he is slimy. He is slimy. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Um. Last thing. The the I keep saying that. I'm sorry. Uh. The you dog do. when about the third or fourth. <laughs> when Lisa goes to the power plant, there are dogs with baby faces. Oh God. Yeah. Why? <laughs> I like. I don't understand. Are you? Is it like a situation where you're in the upside down, so it's just like the real world, but it's not? Or are you actually there? And then she just walks by them. She just walks by them. Like, she's not really phased yeah. by them. <laughs> she didn't have to overcome anything. She simply had to walk. I would have shat myself <laughs> if I saw d- two Rottweilers with baby faces. I just felt as I though they, right they would mean head. something more yeah. than just snarl, snarl. And then they okay. don't do it. They don't attack her next, or anything. Next scene. They don't attack her. They don't acknowledge her. It's just kind of next scene. You know, it's good. Cool. And honestly, like honestly, I wish that they were sheep because in most of the, <laughs> one one little detail that I love in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is that usually they start off with the you see you either see or hear a sheep or hear sheep because you know counting sheep you can go to sleep. That's whole that's Fred's yeah. thing. He uses sheep as like a a harbinger. It's not in this movie from what I I gather, but in no. the other movie he does kind of pull that little trick. But here you know he just goes straight for like dogs. Maybe it should have been like dogs with sheep faces. Oh, oh my god. That would have been worse. <laughs> yeah. No, not great. Ew, just that would have been it. even more why. At least with the baby faces, it's like, okay, well, he kills kids, so I guess, okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe those are Speaking of killing soul. kids, why doesn't the little girl die? <laughs> like, you feel like, yeah, what the fuck? You would feel like that would be like victim number one for freddy like oh i killed the little sister and we're gonna blame jesse for it like that's okay that's drama it is drama but jesus christ this is what the ninth what was this 80s yeah they're not gonna kill a fucking little girl in the 80s Ah, mm, i mean mm, not on screen not yeah not on well mm, well mm, okay you're right never mind (laughs) not on screen not on screen yeah no, we're that was before their time, dude. I mean, well, after their time. Sorry. Yeah, no, the seventies. They were get the killing kids. Yeah, there. no. They, yeah, they were going to do that. You said kids, nah, prostitutes. <laughs> Thank you, taxi driver. A lot of prostitutes died. All right, uh, and that <laughs> that was the last thing. So I think we oh have concluded God. 
there's an ending, but like we discussed earlier, the ending makes no damn sense. Also, I don't hate that Grady's no. not in the ending. So I guess but everyone's actually dead. It is weird how like Freddie peeled off a Jesse. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh I, I didn't address that because I was nasty and I didn't like it and why. She like kisses him and then he just melts away. Yeah. Well, he sets on fire a lot. True. But Burns also, Chris, the skin melts off, you know. But you know, like, so if if Jesse emerges out from Freddy Carcass, and it, if everyone is still, how is Jesse not in jail? <laughs> this is my main question. That's what I'm saying. There's it's so like, much evidence. Okay, so was was Freddy actually there when everything happened? Like, I don't understand. Yeah, the, I don't I, understand. They don't tell you. Was it in his head or not? Was the, it manipulation or not? Did everyone see Freddy or did they see Jesse? Like Exactly. And I, I guess it was Freddy because Jesse is fine. True. True. Not in prison. For again, murder. Like I said, this movie is never referenced ever again, so we don't have the answers. <laughs> That's fine. It's just <laughs> straight away. Because it's just it's too much that does not make sense. Alright. Uh with that being said, Shelton, do you <laughs> recommend a Nightmare on Elm Street 2? Freddy's Revenge. Yes, just because it's the clusterfuck. <laughs> you don't have to know anything about Friday the 13th. Uh, Damn. <laughs> I've been doing that so much, dude. I've been doing that constantly. But um, you don't have to know anything about Nightmare on Elm Street at all. Just watch this and it will be a funny, fun time. Regardless. Or at least you'll be looking at the screen like, what the fuck is going on? But you won't be able to look away. True. Or you may find something something about yourself. You may discover. Maybe you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Who knows? I honestly, not going to lie, I kind of did struggle if I was going to recommend this or not. <laughs> I enjoyed this movie so much. But <laughs> this is not the first Elm Street movie I would show to someone. <laughs> so. I mean, fuck it. If someone <laughs> doesn't care about Nightmare on Elm Street, show them this movie. Oh, there's so because many then, other better It doesn't ones. matter if they like it or not. They had fun. That is true. But <laughs> dang, man. <laughs> it's a it's a like one of the greatest bad movies to watch. Yes, I agree with that. This one yeah, I for me it's like a very like basic recommend. I, there are way better Elm Street movies, but this one would have you probably laughing the most. Yep, I agree. Yes. And Entirely. I mean, yeah, and this is coming from a guy that really does dig like Freddy's Dead, which is them trying to be campy. Uh, I do like Freddy's Dead, but this one, this this is this is a gem. So it's a, it's a pretty it's a it's a recommend for me. Shelton, thank you so much for joining me for another classic slasher movie. I hope we can continue. Thanks for having me. Yes, always as always. You know you're. An I'm OG. glad I got the show back up for a clusterfuck. <laughs> Of that you like. Honestly, I'm surprised that you liked it as much. I only liked it because of how chaotic it was. And yes, it, it was... made no sense, and it felt as though it was structured to make no sense, and you'd be okay with it. And so, if you were watching this, you have signed the contract, and therefore you must. <laughs> yeah, you, you've, already, <laughs> you've already signed your life. <laughs> That's it. You're done. You already you, made you that deal. Bought, you bought this movie. You pressed play. You signed up for this. Accept it. You're right. I did buy this movie. All $10. (laughs) (laughs) $10 I will not get back.
No, you'll never get those 10 bucks back. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, man. Thank you guys for listening. Please stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Like I said, we are really excited for Scream 6. And so this is kind of the beginning of our little retrospective leading up to that. I can't wait. Me either, man. All right. uh, Good night, guys. Good night, Sheldon. We'll catch you again on the murder board. Goodbye. Thank you.